there was this incredible acceleration that happened in e-commerce. The adoption of e-commerce solutions in two months mapped the amount of growth that the e-commerce sector had in the last 10 years. Welcome to Startup Hill, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld, our host is Dan Gold, and we're having conversations with tech leaders in our community about how they're working through the current global economic crisis and the larger impact on their sectors. Today we're talking with Jeff Tomlin, the Chief Marketing Officer at Vendasta. Vendasta is a platform for selling digital solutions for local businesses, and is one of Canada's fastest growing tech companies. Last summer, Vendasta closed a $40 million round of fundraising, the largest ever venture capital raise in the history of Saskatchewan tech. So needless to say, they were on a tear, fueling massive growth coming into 2020. And then the global economic crisis happened. So we talked with Jeff about how this impacted the Vendasta rocket ship and how they've positioned themselves to continue growing. Vendasta sells digital solutions to small business in an age where small business are moving online faster than ever. So Jeff shared some incredible insights from their team on some of the trends that will emerge from the pandemic and how they're working hard to help small businesses not only survive, but thrive in 2020. Welcome to Startupville. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. Hello and welcome to Startupville. On this episode, Jeff Tomlin is with me from Vendasta. He is the CMO and we have got so much to talk about. Jeff, thank you for joining me. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Vendasta, it's a fantastically interesting, dynamic organization. It's a beacon within the Saskatchewan tech sector, and it's so much more. So let's start from from where we are at now. This is the uh, mid-COVID timeline. We obviously, uh, a number of months ago, had the initial outbreak of the pandemic. We've been in the position of firms having to deal with COVID-19 across all sectors. Uh, Where do you see the now and going into the future and how your organization and technology can help people? Well, the now right now um, in in Canada, it looks like we're uh, we're improving and we're coming out of this. And uh, that's encouraging. And it's good to see the numbers coming down. And with that, businesses are getting back to work. And um, so that's interesting. It's uh, when we juxtapose that to what's going down on in some places south of the border, it's a little more concerning. But in terms of, uh, of businesses, they've, uh, they've changed and um, responded to this, this crazy situation in some amazing ways, despite, you know, all of the, um, the, the harsh numbers of the, the people that have um, been laid off. You know, down in the U.S., some 38 million people by the end of the third week of May have filed for unemployment insurance, and, which are staggering numbers. And so, you know, about a tenth of that in, uh, in, in Canada. But I don't think all of the story is, uh, you know, a, a sad horror story. I think, you know, we're, we're focusing on the incredible things that have come out of this and especially the, the technology acceleration that has, has gone on. Um, 
and, and not it's not just the big players that have benefit either. It's you know small and medium businesses that have accelerated their adoption of technology so that they can not only survive it but they can they can thrive. And uh, so you know we see ourselves playing uh, you know an exciting role in the, in, the, in that digital transformation. So here's here's the big question the the marketplace is there it's ready it needs the tools to be able to progress and to move forwards what can we do for them what can we what are the tools that we can deploy to help business grow not just survive but grow again yeah um so it's a good question and you know when when something like an event happens like this um, it's really important for especially companies in our situation to sit down and look at how your ideal buying buyer profile has changed. And, you know, in, in our situation, um, it changed pretty dramatically. Um, you know, we had what I, I would say would be a scalable, repeatable model and repeatable motions uh, with our marketing and our sales. And we were growing uh, at uh, a, a pretty good clip. And then when this happens, you know, that cost, that ideal customer profile changes. And in this case, it changed dramatically, not um, with not only with their appetite to buy, but with the types of things that they were buying. So, you know, in our, in our situation, we had to, we had to react and make sure that we focused on, on tools that were really needed at this time, because people weren't, you know, uh, outlaying money that was, you know, suspect and that they would, wonder if they would really get a payback out of it and they needed to invest in places that would would uh, help them help them actually grow and transact real money so that they can they can stay in business um, and so what were those things that back to your original question here um, number one obviously um, e-commerce uh, there there was this incredible acceleration that happened in e-commerce the adoption of e-commerce solutions in two months mapped the amount of growth that the e-commerce sector had in the last 10 years. It, it was absolutely incredible and it's the most dramatic growth that you, you've ever seen. Um, and it's not just the big players that are benefiting from, from that either. It's, uh, you know, s small and medium businesses were uh, uh, um, finding solutions, finding ways to, to adapt quickly. And so that's a great story, and we can dig into that a bit more if you if you like. But the second thing, obviously, is the way we work. Um, you know, we've had to do this, and not just you know businesses internally working with their teams, but the way that they transact and work with their customers had to be this way, you know, over video. And uh, um, so that was the, the other massive. Uh, massive change that happened. And if you look at the numbers that Google Meet and Zoom um, put up, it was absolutely incredible. I, I believe that Google Meet increased uh, their daily active users by some 25 times, and uh, and Zoom had you know a similar type of growth, which was absolutely incredible. They went from 10 million active users in December to by the end of just March, they were at 200 million. I don't know what the number is now, but it was absolutely incredible. And even Facebook messaging, they were up 50%, two, two, uh, two times the number of video calling. So that was the, the other massive trend that we saw um, 
So the first e-commerce, number two was the way we work. And then um, the other trend that we saw was because of the number one, the need to change. And there was this group of people that were laid off or temporarily laid off. There was both a need and in some cases the time to um, focus on, on uh, sharpening our tool set. And so there's more and more people that were looking uh, for e-learning and online learning solutions. And so that's what we also focused on was how can we provide learning for the types of products and different types of things people needed to do to survive in this type of era. And uh, so we invested heavily in, uh, in online learning and online community um, to facilitate that. So that was sort of the things that we focused on as, as all, of, all of this um, broke out. And it strikes me still to this day when I was having conversations with people in a number of different markets and they were telling us, we're traditional firms. We pick up the phone to people. We go and see them. We go and shake people's hands. You haven't done a deal with someone until you've you've uh, looked into their eyes and shaken their hand. Or It's amazing how quickly each of them has picked up the phone to us or any other provider and gone, okay, I think let's look at this digital thing and maybe this social thing. It's interesting that out of times of adversity, innovation truly does take that leap forwards. But as you've said, um, looking longer term at the trends and the difference that it's that it's going to make, the long term impacts are the pieces that are going to keep the economy going and growing, uh, which is significant. To, I was just going to say to your story, by the way, it's amazing that you know it, it how it how it thrust people to change. Um, we had a, a young gentleman in our office here on, our, on my marketing team that has an uncle that was in retail, and he had he had an online comic book store. And Rylan tried to get him to uh, move some of his business online for for a long time. And uh, the it seemed in his mind the technology hurdle to do all of that was just too great. And you make comments in the past that you know I'll probably just close up shop before I have to do something like that. Uh, and and you know sell my comics online, and when this happened, he made the decision. Obviously, wasn't ready to part ways with his business, and uh, um, you know dug in with some of the tools that we were providing um, to get a, a quick e-commerce site up and e-commerce enabled. And it was he saw this immediate impact and was selling a ton of inventory in a matter of of three weeks. And literally two weeks to get up and going, and it was just a it was a, an incredible example of someone who hadn't seen themselves, um, you know, transacting online and running an online uh, business. But uh, when you look at the technology and the way it's simplified now, and the way it's more accessible, and part of the role that we're playing trying to make it more accessible and easier to use, um, it is possible for anyone to get online. Do you think that there's an element for? professional communicators and marketers to do, I don't know, a, a better job and maybe people dealing with user experience across the industry to be able to break down those barriers, to to take the fear of the technology out of it. Because in that story that you shared, it was the fear of closing versus the fear of new. And the fear of closing was the greater fear. So 
So what can we do as people who market and communicate to help people understand that these barriers really aren't as bad as they imagine? Well, it's interesting, you know, there's a loss aversion therapy or the, or the, the theory around loss aversion is, is well known in marketing. And, and so that, that effect that you just described is, is not something that's uncommon. People are always more motivated to avoid a loss than they are motivated to pursue an opportunity. And, uh, but absolutely a hundred percent, there's a role for people like us to play in, um, helping people find a way to simplify things and simplify the you know the story around the technology, and then you know on the other hand, there's the 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 role for the tech the people that develop technology to reduce the friction um, and the friction in adopting their solutions. And the companies that are are really doing well and they're experiencing massive growth are the ones that focus on reducing friction when it comes to people interacting with their software. Software and it, it, you know, it, companies that are in that class, they're called product-led growth companies. Where the product that they sell, it's not just um, it, it. It is a marketing channel, and it's not just a marketing channel, but it's the primary marketing channel for the company. So it's the prime. The product is the primary way that people uh, are customers are acquired, uh, that they adopt the solution, and then they're they're growing. The customer base is growing. And the companies that focus on having a product-led um, methodology and, and way of thinking about their business are, are surviving and thriving and growing. And it, it's all about reducing friction. So could we take that down to the next level? So your organization is a, products, uh, a product solution organization helping people uh, move forwards with their their work. Is there a way that the lessons that you've learned can help people who are, I don't want to say further down the food chain, but further down the customer line to rework how they work and how their systems are, and they then apply that to their business to help their customers? Yeah. So, you know, to keep things real here, um, I'll, I'll tell a little story about um, about our path. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, um, com- uh, technology companies like ours, they, they start at what, you know, the lower end of the market or a smaller customer cohort. And then as they grow over time, they'll grow into larger customers and then they'll build, you know, if they're very successful, they'll build enterprise platforms and, and go after really big customers. But they start out with smaller ones because it's typically easier to build. So, um, we started the, the, the opposite way when we started um, working with enterprise customers. And in doing that, it, it started to shape our go-to-market model. And so for the longest time, and even up in, it looked like up to two years ago, um, if you wanted to become a customer of Vendasta, you would have to go to our website. You'd have to fill out a form that would be sent off to sales. Hold up your hand and say, I'd like to speak to someone at sales. It would send off a form. And someone would call you back and uh, that person would uh, have a quick chat with you. They would book you into a meeting to sit down with one of our other, our, our uh, sales representatives. Uh, you would work with them. Uh, if you decided that there was a good relationship, um, we would uh, send you an invoice. You would get access to the software and then we'd go through and we'd start training. So a lot of friction in that process. 
And uh, we were, you know, back in the, back at that time, we, we had a sort of a premium type product for our customers um, that we called Listing Builder that uh, they were able to resell to small, medium business customers. And there wasn't a huge take up with that, with that product at the time. And, and if you looked at it, you know, we were trying to expose the virtues of, of a friction-free self-serve type method of going to market for our customers, but we weren't practicing what we preached at Vendasta. You had to go through all these forms and all this difficulty to become a customer. So we decided to um, practice what we, what we preach. And um, so we built a process where you could come to Vend- uh, you could come to Vendasta's website, you could sign up all by yourself and you could get access to the, the product immediately on a free subscription. And if it provided you the right value, you could upgrade all by yourself and get access to more functionality. And, um, you know, the, the argument for people that have traditional business models um, often is I don't want to go that other route and think about freemium type solutions or friction free self-serve because it would cannibalize what we're currently doing right now. And uh, so we can't afford to give stuff away for free. Well, we had those same fears that our customers had at the time. And, um, but what we found when we went this route is that our cost of acquiring a customer dropped by a third. Um, the number of customers that we added quadrupled, uh, like on a monthly basis. Um, and so our, our, our CAC to LTV, our, the, the lifetime value of a customer, um, and, and uh, according to the, the, to the cost of acquiring it, that ratio improved dramatically. And so... Um, the, the, the message here is that people, people want to buy this way. They're used to buying this way. And so, you know, we're, we're big proponents now of, of teaching uh, to our customers that the, the number one thing that we should think about is, is reducing friction to interacting with our brands. Um, you know, our customers are all sorts of different brands from, from media companies to, to people in the ICT sector, to marketing companies. And if they, if, if they want to have a scalable model to grow and they want to grow big, they have to think about um, re- reducing this friction um, in, in the buying process. It's a super interesting organization. And I think that uh, for people who don't understand the, the changes that Vendasta has been through, it's evolution, how you've iterated, how you've modified your model and kept not only kept up with the times of of the industry, but you've really led in many ways. Um, Let's just take a a look just for a second. You were you were motoring on with your 40 million dollar raise. It was it was, you know, all guns blazing the you know, the relocation, maybe I, you can or, or not talk about that, but uh, it was all going well, and then the world slightly fell apart. Not your world, the world. So when you look at um, trends, you're looking at this very first person. You're not looking from this abstract view. You're, you've been as affected as anyone else and maybe at a time where there's a significant investment comes into the organization where suddenly it's okay the money's here let we've got our plans we've got our strategies we've got our pathway forwards and then there's change how do you address the impact on the organization and how do you look at then 
communicating that to all of the stakeholders that, hey, this is where we're at and the transparency that goes with that? Well, look, when, when, when this started, there was a whole lot of uncertainty. And, and uh, you know, when, it, when, it talk, uh, when you're talking about the way that we communicated with our board, especially um, as we we're going into this, uh, you know, we didn't make any bones about, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, especially when we were, you know, going into March and, and going into April. We didn't know how long things would be closed down. We didn't know how uh, much the, the changes would impact us. Um, but we put together a plan and the, you know, the, the, you know, when something like this happens, like I said before, you, you have to make sure that you've got a plan and the plan's got to start with your customer. Right. Um, and so, you know, our steps were to evaluate what's going on with our ideal customer profile. And, um, when we looked at what our customers really, really needed, we evaluated the different types of solutions. And, you know, they were all along the lines of those, you know, the three things that I they out, outlined, the, the e-commerce, the remote work, and, and the online learning. And so, you know, uh, a key part of the way that we were rolling the e-commerce solution out was to create um, what we call the small, medium business, a toolkit for our customers. And it had a collection of tools that you could provide um, to a small business uh, a customer for free. So back to what we were just talking about, the, the, the go-to-market model. The go-to-market model was, you know, it, 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 was, it, it was a good thing that we learned our lesson and we really adopted it, you know, over the past two years. And we had these learnings um, ourselves. And we embraced it because it was even more important when this happened, because not only did our customer profile buy, and by, by the way, if anyone's foggy about exactly what our model is, you have to sort of understand that, you know, we provide technology to people that, that enable small and medium businesses with technology. So again, that's marketing agencies or media companies or, or people in the ICT sector, MSPs or value-added resellers, um, business solutions. And, um, so we provide them the technology to give to these, the, the, their customers. So not only did our uh, ideal customer profile change dramatically, but our customers' customers changed. All these small businesses, you know, are going through turmoil, uh, having to close their doors and having to figure out their business um, very, very quickly. And so, you know, that's where our focus had to be. So when we built this small and medium business toolkit, um, we built it with this business model in, in, in mind that not only the needs of the small business changed, but the way they're buying is very, very selective now. Um, you have to build trust right out of the get-go. And the only way to build trust in this day and age is with friction-free and self-serve. The toolkit um, was an opportunity for our customers to, to provide um, their businesses with tools that they could get their hands on, they could play with, they could see, they can understand how they can get online and get selling online. And once they could make that connection to a real solution um, that can drive revenue and can drive revenue right now, um, then we had, uh, you know, we built trust in the sellers and um, we're able to maintain, uh, you know, velocity in the market. So, you know, in terms of our business, we're very fortunate. Um, you know, we saw, we saw a bit of a flattening in in March as we provided some 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 credits to our customers that were that were struggling, and you know with as with other technology enablers, 
um, you know, like you've seen with the Google and the Apples and the, the Zooms, um, people that enable technology, we've been able to grow uh, by, by filling the, you know, the real need that's in the marketplace and filling it the right way with a, a go-to-market model that makes sense given the, given the day and age that we're in. When it comes to agility, sometimes organizations get get stressed in, in a period of, of rapid change. Uh, I, I'm not one that loves, and this is purely me, I'm not one that loves the phrase new normal. And the reasoning is that we are creatures that have got used to, through time, change. The constant is change. And so however long the next period is, and then there will be change. Um, agility, uh, the ability to to scale as needed in the eyes of your organization, in the eyes of uh, a, a, a client, uh, a supplier even. When it comes to looking at that big picture and just having stability, where do you put the the bias on supporting people with a stable organization or buying in and constantly outsourcing everything. How, how do you support them with that growth plan? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, First off, you know, when we go into something like this, um, especially when you've got, uh, when you're a certain size, when you have a diverse customer base, um, and you have to change and your customers have to change um, in order to adapt. There are going to be groups that lag um, and that that they just, they can't change for whatever, uh, for whatever reason, but you have to focus on the ones that are going to survive and, uh, and provide them what, you know, inherently you understand is that is what is needed. Um, And, you know, by the way, uh, changes is, um, it's hard and it's, it's hard for a lot of organizations and we're in a day and age where um, change is more rapid than it's ever been. And it's not going to slow down. Um, even you know, after COVID-19 passes uh, and uh, whenever that is, um, you know, the rate of change and the rate of uh, technology adoption and acceleration um, is, is going to be faster than, than pre-COVID. Um, at, at our company, we, we actually practice making ourselves uncomfortable with, with, with change. Um, we change teams often. We change office configuration often. We, you know, we try to change and reevaluate the way that we put together our plans and try to improve those things. But you actually have to practice it to, 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 to get, you know, this, the idea of change sort of cemented in your organization is that this is something that we do on a regular basis because uh, it's, it's not natural and people like being comfortable and they, um, people like putting together a plan and executing on that plan and understanding it thoroughly. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not the world that we're, we live in or that we will live in in the future. I, 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 admire your organization for thinking differently and and daring to be different as well i i was reading uh, ahead of us doing this uh, interview and one of the pieces that uh, does stand out for me is how you've kind of taken on this advocacy role with your protect protect local initiative um 
I can understand from a cause-related marketing point of view why you would do that. But tell me why it's more than just that. Well, um, you know, you're right. Obviously, it's uh, uh, this is our, our our customer segment that we we, we focus on, and, and, and we we build tools for. It, but we really, really believe in it. Like we, you know, our our team here has never um, felt a, a greater connection to our core purpose of helping drive local economies um, forward than than they have going, uh, you know, through this epidemic. Um, because we're really, really focused on not only the customer, but driving and building and providing solutions that really, at the end of the day, focus on the things that businesses need the most. They need their doors to swing and their cash register to ring. And, and, and it's true. I, you know, uh, and when you provide mission-critical solutions and you know that you're making a difference, it's a big deal. The other thing is that um, we truly believe that um, small and medium-sized local businesses are the cornerstones of, of our communities. You know, they they support the uh, the, the local the youth athletics and and uh, you know the soccer center and then um, and they donate to charities and they employ you know our neighbors and um, and when you look at buying trends, by the way, and you see the type of companies that have survived and are doing great in the in this. It, it, there's a ton of local businesses and across a lot of different sectors um, that are growing. The reason why they, they, they're doing well is people want to buy locally. You know, it's one thing, obviously a lot of people shop on Amazon, but people want to buy from their lo- local stores. The problem has been is that the big companies like Amazon have been way, way out front when it comes to their e-commerce capabilities. And you go and you search for a, pit- a particular item you want to buy right now, like inventory in a store, I want to find a, a, a Helix fish finder. Uh, the the fishing hole in Saskatoon is not going to come up. And the, the product inside their store, now I didn't try that search, by the way. They, I hope they proved me wrong, actually. Um, but it, the product item will come up from a big box retailer or from an Amazon. And then I can buy that fish finder directly online. But if more local businesses had their inventory online and, and, and with e-commerce enabled, more and more people would buy that way. And you see this incredible trend, one great trend that you gotta, um, you, you'll inherently understand because we're all doing it, is people are, are buying online and then going and doing curbside pickup. Because when we, when we want something, we want it right now. And the fact that we can't get it in the store um, has not been holding us back. People have been picking up the phone. We have been buying from from restaurants, we've been buying from other uh, local retailers, uh, buying online, picking up right away outside the store. And I think that type of trend is going to continue. But it shows us people want to buy locally. So I can clearly see that you have uh, SMEs at the heart of your organization, not just for uh, this initiative, but you see that that is the growth uh, going forwards, what's what's happened in the world of of publishing and and the big stakeholders of of uh, of previous times? Are they still in the position that um, paywalls are having to come in to pay for journalism? What what's happening in that model? Because you know, looking back historically at, at 
you know, the stories that would come out of Vendasta and, and success, that was kind of the space where I saw growth historically. Is that changing? And can you speak of it? Yeah, um, I mean, it, it is changing. It has been changing for a long time. Um, there's uh, some of those organizations are, um, are going by the wayside. Others are surviving and they're thriving. And the ones that are surviving and thriving are the ones um, that are paying attention to their customers, the needs of their customers. And, and um, you know, that's um, necessitated changing their organizations, changing the types of things that they sell, changing the, the, the type of DNA that they have in their, in their company, and reevaluating their business model. Um, and, you know, and the, the, the reason, you know, the reason why a lot of those companies exist is to, is, you know, to provide in- news and information and, and, um, and to serve, you know, our, the local communities. And, um, but there's a lot of ways that there's a lot of ways to modify the, the economic model around those things. And there's a lot of them that are, are, are finding the way and, and returning to grow. Jeff, uh, I could talk to you all day because I am, I'm not only fascinated, I'm a fan as well. Um, if people want to find out more information about you, how could they do that? Well, uh, Vendasa.com is the place to go um, to find out about our company, what our initiatives are, um, uh, learn about our team and, uh, um, and what's on the horizon. And uh, by the way, we are hiring. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at WeTellYourStories.ca. The show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. See you next time on Startupville.